0: Check out award-winning Johnson & Boone Solicitors' unique product, LegalGuard. Ideal for businesses and individuals, LegalGuard ensures you get the legal help you need when you need it. Packages start from just £24 a month and include free expert advice. Access to a library of legal documents, as well as exclusive discounts on a range of services. For more information, visit johnsonandboon.co.uk/legalguard and quote the code for Chesh. You're listening to Johnson and Boone Solicitors podcast exclusively on the Pod Station.
1: Welcome everyone to episode 18 of the Johnson & Boone podcast. My name is Mark. I'm your host. Joining me again as a podcast aficionado is the Johnson out of Johnson & Boone. It's Chris Johnson. How are you doing, Chris?
2: Hi, Mark. Good to see you. How are
1: you? I'm not too bad at all. Not too bad at all. Uh, now, what topics will we uh, be covering today then, Chris?
2: Um, We're covering redundancy. Um, I could speak uh, for quite a long time on different aspects of redundancy but it's a general overview of redundancy um, and obviously there'll be different circumstances for different people in in the workplace but tonight I'm just going to give you um, an overview of redundancy um, and some questions that maybe people would like to know answers to um, and hopefully that. if you've got any further questions that are more specific to them then obviously they can contact us direct
1: after the podcast. Uh, If this is the first time you've tuned in uh, to one of these episodes, uh, this is episode 18, so there are 17 other episodes that you can check out. What we try and do is each episode we cover a topic within the field of expertise of the team at Johnson & Boone to help guide you through some problems, identify any issues you might not have realised, offer some advice that might help you to either deal with the situation yourself or get some advice when you need it most and hopefully save yourself some money by dealing with things at the right and most efficient time possible. Now, if you want to check out any of those previous episodes, you can go to johnsonandboon.co.uk. There's a podcast tab where you can find all the previous episodes. Uh, You can also find links to all of the major podcast platforms where if you subscribe, uh, which is for free, Uh, You can actually get the uh, latest episode download automatically onto whatever device it is that you normally use without even having to think about it. You can also listen to all of the episodes on the Johnson & Boone mobile app, which is free to download both on Apple and Android app stores. And there's actually a whole host of other functions that you can find on that mobile device, which is well worth checking out, believe you me. So, Chris... Uh, I guess we should start with probably the most basic of questions, which is what is redundancy? Because, of course, at this moment in time, we are coming out of the the lockdown for the COVID-19 pandemic. And by that, I mean most, pretty much all businesses, bar a few exceptions, are now able to open up. And everyone is trying to get going again after having suffered some pretty hefty financial uh, consequences and unfortunately redundancy is something that is certainly more frequent at the minute. So I suppose the, the, the first question is what is redundancy? Why might people find themselves in a situation where this is a topic of conversation that they need to know about?
2: Well the statutory definition of redundancy is set out in the Employment Rights Act in particular section 139 the general um, position on redundancy is that redundancies are uh, based on economic reasons um why an employer makes that decision to reduce his workforce and it may be that he has no option to do to do that i mean in under section 139 there are three um subsections really as to what on section 1391 as to what would constitute a a genuine redundancy and that is a closure of the business which obviously speaks for itself the whole business has ceased to trade the closure of the workplace and maybe changing the requirements of the business moving forward and all of those um, definitions um, have been explored in various court cases but really in terms of the closure of the workplace um, it is Essentially, some a reason that is wholly or mainly attributable to the fact that the employee, employer has ceased or intends to cease carrying on business in the place where the employee was so employed. So that's a closure of the workplace. If we're talking about a change in the requirement of the business, um, then that that is essentially provides that an, an employee is dismissed for reasons of redundancy. If that dismissal is wholly or mainly attributable to four key elements, and they are the, the requirements of that business, the requirement for the employee to carry out work of a particular kind, the requirements of an employee to carry out work of a particular kind in the place where the employee was employed, or the work itself has ceased or diminished, or is ex- expected to cease or diminish. Now that's a mouthful, but essentially, it means that there is a downturn in the work at the at the workplace where the employee is employed or the employee intends to move the workplace to another area.
1: I, I'm sure just from those descriptions, many people can immediately see the relevance of it in this current circumstance. How would you know whether or not you are up for redundancy? What, what's sort of the first notification that you get to let you know that it's either on the table or being considered
2: well employees are the basically have to follow a there is guidance as to what they should follow in relation to um operating a fair process to let people know so there should be visible there should be some consultation in relation to the employer being uh, possibly suitable uh, or their jobs is is possibly up for uh, to be made redundant and so there should be consultation with the employee as to um, the duty so it's really a duty to consult Um, and that means that they should consult with them um, face to face and go through various process to ensure that the the selection process of the redundancy of the the, uh, employee is fair um, so, there is a certain method which is set out. There used to be a statutory um, role in terms of what roles you had to follow before you could actually make somebody redundant. It's now based more on guidance of ACAS, um, and the, but, the, but there is still a duty to consult um, with the employer and the employee to, seek to find a way in which a redundancy can be a fair process.
1: So the, the first time that you are likely to find out is that your employer will let you know through a, a notice and, and, and a, a process will then be put in place where it'll be explained to you so that you can understand what's happening and why it's happening.
2: Yeah, I mean, first of all, the, the, there has to be a reasonable belief that the dismissal um, was required. and um, the, the employer has to carry out proper investigations Um, and use best practice in in investigating who should be made redundant and whether um, there is a requirement for that. Um, They should advise, they should arrange to meet the um, employee and tell them that the job may be potentially at risk. Explain the the reasons why the company are looking to go down that route. Um, Provide the employee with reasonable notice ahead of the meeting to allow them time to prepare. Uh, And also consider any um, points that the employee may wish to raise in in relation to actually, you know, if it's anything other jobs that they may be able to do or any consideration of other uh, positions within the whole workplace that may be appropriate that they could apply for. So they have to to give them, explain to them why they're seeking to, to actually there is a downturn in the business There's a change in the workplace and they have to listen to what the employee has to say before they go through their own matrix of of a selection. Um, But first of all, there is a duty to consult with the uh, employee on those matters. There is no duty for any employees under workforces with under 20, but it's best practice to do so.
1: Uh, So if you're an employer... Uh, and let's start with the employer side of things um if you're an employer what where do you start from this i mean do you need to get some advice from somebody like yourself to to understand whether or not you meet the criteria to be able to introduce a redundancy process and then perhaps get guidance on how to implement that process throughout Um, or is it something that should be abundantly obvious and you just crack on with it
2: Well, people think it's abundantly obvious, but it's not, because lots of people make the wrong choice in terms of, and and that ultimately ends up in potentially employers facing an unfair dismissal claim. Um, In other words, that the redundancy was a sham process and that a proper um, procedure wasn't followed. Um, I mean, for example, there are some areas that you simply cannot do to actually uh, make people redundant for Various reasons, so if, if, if it's anything to do with, uh, and it involves a selection on the basis of issues that would be considered as discrimination, i.e. based on gender, um, sexual orientation, race, disability, age, um, all of those would not be a fair process, just to include them, because they are protected characteristics um, and therefore would be deemed as discriminatory in selecting them on the basis of any of those protected characteristics. So um, employees, um, you know, I mean, everybody does know that discrimination law is there in the workplace. But again, perhaps they don't understand when they're doing a selection process what they can and can't take into consideration. Um, So they have to decide on their own system of how they're going to do that. But certainly they can't go down that route and make people redundant just because they have a protected
1: characteristic. Uh, you mentioned before that employers with less than 20 employees don't necessarily have to follow that process, but I guess you've actually, when, when you say it's worth doing it for best practices, I guess that's the the, the reasons you've just given there are an exact reason for why you should do it anyway. Because, of course, if it's ever perceived that uh, you have got rid of somebody Um, for something that might fall into one of those discriminatory areas, uh, you're going to land yourself in a whole heap of trouble, aren't you? Whereas if you follow the process in the same formulaic way that you would do if you had more than 20 employees you're going to avoid that sort of obstacle
2: Yeah, I I think in in terms of employment um, most areas of employment law in in, in tribunal awards are, are capped, but discrimination isn't um, and so the position for employees is they just have to be careful that they are um, in, in my view consulting at the earliest opportunity the employees I mean after all they're your workforce They work for you for a long time in most in a lot of cases and um, and you can have a discussion with them and explain that the company often it will be Abundantly clear to the employee that the, the firm's going through some difficulties and to do that would only it's obviously best practice it actually um generates a situation where you know first of all when when you're talking to them and before you go down the matrix it may well be that you can invite people to apply for voluntary redundancy rather than making a mandatory redundancy decision some people might be willing to take that some people might, might be willing to agree to go on a settlement agreement which is an enhanced redundancy package but again it avoids the 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 process of selection and going down the 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 fair process route for the employer which which obviously takes time but it actually um it, it has in my view has to be followed to avoid any potential claims against them
1: uh, you mentioned settlement agreements there. If anybody wants to listen to Chris explaining about settlement agreements in a bit more detail, and it's definitely well worth doing, you can check out episode 14, which covers all of those, those aspects. Um, when you're talking about the process and it, you mention you keep mentioning the word matrix uh, for the benefit of those who might not understand what a ma- what the matrix part of this process is um and indeed how people can be considered fairly as to whether or not they might fall into the category of where they sh- they're going to be made redundant or not what is a matrix
2: Well, a matrix is really just, it's really where the employer puts together um, a process of questions or um, where they can consider each of the employees that are potentially up for employment. So that can be based on the number of years they've worked for you, the role that they currently um, employed in, uh, the skill set of that person, the changes in the in 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 the way that the company are moving forward, whether or not there needs to be um, less people working and more automation, how long the people of timekeeping conduct, uh, there can be each one of these can be the in terms of a a score. Um, they can mark them out of ten or five. And then at the end of it, they've followed some process, and at least there is a, there is a, a selection process rather than just somebody saying um, we will we will just take the people who are the youngest, for example, um, or we'll take somebody who's been here longer than somebody else. Um, so it has it just really it's, it's it's a question for the company to really come up with their own uh, grid or assessment and how they're going to deal with the process but they have to show how they've selected, in my view, that to get to a final score as to how they're going to decide who should remain and who shouldn't. They, it, it's entirely up to them how they follow that. It's guidance from the, um, from the Employment Tribunal and ACAS that they do follow set procedures. And it shows, at least to the employee that they've had an opportunity to be considered for what the company's trying to achieve in the future. And if there is a slave, so if somebody's got to go then obviously that is there has to be a method of selecting who is going to be um unfortunately losing the job and who will remain
1: whenever there are decisions being made certainly decisions of this type there's an element of subjectiveness uh, no matter how formulate you might create the questions i guess but certainly when you come into the scoring system what would your recommendations be about how people can do that scoring process. So, for example, if it's if it's a smaller company and you've got just one single owner, does that owner carry out the interviews? Does does that owner just do the scoring system, or is it worthwhile them bringing in somebody, uh, whether it be an independent person or someone else from within the management team? to help either with the assessment or to do it on their behalf. So there is an element of impartiality or perhaps a second set of eyes that might ensure that the the scoring process is done in a, a fair manner.
2: Well, I mean, if, if, the, if each employer must be compared with their comparator um, and merely just having a detailed criterion for redundant sele- selection is insufficient, so there has to be. Um, some scope for the first selection process to take place. Now in, in terms of how they do that, in practice it will be the employer who has to draw up, they'll have experience of working with these people, they'll understand what the role for the new for the company moves forward is going to be. But ultimately um it's it's how they approach that. If it was just the employee of their own they could employ an outside consultant to undertake that process if they wanted to do the selection process, but often that doesn't happen because already the company's in in difficulties, and so they they just have to show that um, they they've compared the person who or each person against the comparator. They've considered the roles that those people who are potentially going to lose the jobs do. They have to consider: is there any um, are there opportunities available? Are they able to move them? Do they have skill set to be moved into another area? Is there, in fact any other role available in the company? Is it just simply that they haven't got enough work? Um, and that, that particular function of that particular department is unfortunately one that doesn't require five people, now it requires two or it requires three. Um, so you have to compare the people within the role and take in all of the different factors and then to make your decision on that, um, but having done that, you have to give the people the opportunities to have the say um, and and explain what the purpose of the redundancy consultation is, and then thereafter um, somebody's got to make a decision. And you know the people who are made redundant won't be happy because they're losing the role. The company have got to try and do it as, as, as you know as amicable as they can, but ultimately they have to make a decision to protect the business
1: we've sort of looked at it from an employer perspective so far from from an employee perspective at what stage in this process should they be perhaps looking to get some advice or guidance from the likes of of johnson and boone is it when they first get given a notice to say that there's going to be a redundancy process and they are going to be part and parcel of it is it is it when They know they're going to be made redundant. Uh, What what should they be doing?
2: In reality, law firms are not involved in the process at all until the people are made redundant. And often, um, the only time that you are actually involved in that selection process is at the end when somebody comes to you and say, I was made redundant. I don't think the process was correct. I think I was made redundant for a different reason to... The three reasons set out in one section one three nine. And they won't say it in that sense, but they'll say it in the sense of I don't believe it's a, genu- it's a genuine redundancy situation, and I don't. Be- and I believe that I was unfairly targeted um, for for selection, and that in fact that role still exists. That role is, um, and that it was just a reason to actually r- remove me from the process. It's a very difficult dis. Decision for an employee to then take an employer to a, to an employment tribunal because number one, it's they're in a situation where they've actually been made redundant, and so they're going to be very short on or limited in terms of funds, and number two, they it has to be some clear evidence that what they're saying um, can be can be backed up. Now, if the employer has just made re- in decisions not consulted not had discussions with them and simply removed them from the job then that would be and um, rather than a the redundancy situation would be an argument to say actually the person was unfairly dismissed um, and then we go down that it's not a fair potentially fair reason for dismissal you've just simply dismissed them um, and therefore you haven't gone through the correct pr- procedure and so therefore we'd be looking at an unfair dismissal claim in those circumstances but. In reality, um, you know, the the employer uh, will make the decision. The employee will attend a couple of hearings or a couple of meetings, and then the decision will be given to them. And at that point, they'll be given notice of when their uh, termination of their employment happens. Um, They are entitled to um, statutory levels of notice period. um, And that's when they will often, if they have got concerns, come to see us and maybe raise issues then but it is it is a fact of life that in these times people will be made redundant
1: of course if if you listen to episode 14 about settlement agreements you'll also know that quite often you will need legal advice on the settlement agreement if if that's the option that's chosen during the redundancy process um what sort of rules do employees need to abide by during a, a redundancy process to make sure that they're not they don't prejudice their position i guess is is what i'm trying to say presumably the same requirements in, for doing their job still apply and if their performance say drops during the redundancy process that might be something that's taken into account if there's any uh, bad behavior failure to turn up because I don't know you're called in sick or or whatever it might be are these the kind of things that that might negatively impact upon whether or not you fall into the the the, the category of people being made redundant
2: well I think the decisions already been made obviously if somebody's working they they they, they, they tend to be given a date to when they when the, when the employment will cease. Whilst you're employed, you're under an employment contract, which is a common law contract. Um, and you obviously have to abide by the conditions of your employment. In in the event, sometimes people will give um, people uh, more generous terms than the statutory redundancy, which is one week's notice for each year you've worked, up to a maximum of 12 years. So that's t- t- to 12 weeks um Notice period. Sometimes in other contracts, the the contractual term is more generous than that. Some people will be able to um, have notice in lieu, and where enter they'll just give them a date but pay them the notice period. But but ultimately, um, you know, if you're on a contract, you you are still obliged to comply with the contract up until the termination date. And obviously, you, in, in, in at that point, you're entitled to receive your notice period.
1: But if you, if, if if before they've made a decision on who they're going to make redundant, if they are still considering who to choose for that redundancy period, is it something that people need to bear in mind that that if they don't perform as well, if if, if they're not Acting properly, if they're causing problems, if they're be- basically being a bad employee, um, they might be increasing their chances of being the person who's chosen to be made redundant by virtue of the fact that the points system might actually include poor performance, bad attendance, late coming, that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, I mean that's that that's that's a given. that in in, in relation to when you have a workforce, you want a workforce that is. Um, obviously, is cooperative. There is um, a harmonious relationship with you and, and your staff. If somebody's creating difficulties or causing difficulties, then like in any workplace situation, it's a disciplinary matter. Um, and if people are subject to disciplinaries or, or, or warnings or failing to turn up or late consistently, all of these are factors that... When when people are looking to select who they want to keep, they will be taken into consideration. The, the, what's actually in the in the selection process might vary from company to company, but in, in every case, um, any firm would, would want to have the employees who who are hardworking, uh, loyal, to, and and actually rather than a bad influence or causing difficulties. Because it's, 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 it's hard enough now for a lot of these firms to make their, to make their own costs but how is was having to deal with issues internally that really are just created from a person who just doesn't want to be there at that point.
1: I guess the other rather unusual situation that we find ourselves in now is there is, of course, a government furlough scheme, which means uh, staff are perhaps off work and being paid for not being in work, Um, can they be made redundant? At what what point does a redundancy process start when you've got people on furlough?
2: Well, there's quite a lot of um, articles out there about the position of making employees redundant whilst on furlough. the coronavirus job retention scheme, which is the CJRS, um, are bringing out different guidance and different updates, and there's been there's been confusion really as to um, what whether employers could make staff redundant during a furlough. On the face of it, the answer was yes, um, especially as the employee guidance says your employ- your employer can still make you redundant whilst you're on furlough or afterwards. However, that guidance was silent on whether or not what costs the employers could claim and in particular whether they could actually recover any notice pay costs under the furlough scheme. Uh, The latest version um, seeks to answer that. It makes clear that employers can make employees redundant whilst they're on furlough it also confirms that employers cannot recover statutory or enhanced redundancy payments under the scheme in terms of notice phase. It actually says you can continue to claim for a furloughed employee who is serving a, a statutory notice period. So, unfortunately, it, it, it's, it's not a given, but the, gui- the guidance is still unclear. And it leaves it leaves open some some questions. Um, what happens, for example, what happens if an employee's contract or notice period is longer than their statutory notice period? Those questions have not been clarified. It would have been easy for them to do that, but it haven't. And um, so, um, hopefully as these, as, as, as we all know in, in all of the updates we're getting, there are arguments and uh, that's been sort of, uh, information's been given to us at different points. And so the guidance changes even in employment law. As to what that position is, but it what is it? It seems clear is that you can make employees uh, redundant whilst they're on furlough.
1: So, from an employer's perspective, it's definitely worth getting some advice on this because, of course, the furlough scheme was initially designed to try and stop redundancies from happening, wasn't it? it was to to give some support to businesses to keep staff on. So, I guess the 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 two the two um. Principles are kind of at loggerheads, aren't they? The furlough schemes to avoid redundancies, but if redundancies are going to happen, the furlough scheme probably isn't going to be the first thing that the government wants to be used to to cover the costs of those sorts of things.
2: No, I think I think the government, you know, have have attempted to keep as many firms as they can working uh, to come through this pandemic. Um, it, there's been obviously issues for some companies who who are unable to get assistance and therefore the business unfortunately may cease to trade there'll be some who've fallen through the the gaps but the governments have have ultimately tried to to protect jobs as far as they can Um, what's important that sometimes it can't, it it, it just simply can't, the company can't function any further than without making some reductions but what seems to be clear is although you can make employees redundant it also doesn't mean to say that you don't follow some correct process. I and mean, you can just take this as an opportunity to actually make employees redundant. You still have to follow the process to show that it's a correct selection in terms of that there was need, um, even even with the assistance that um, And unfortunately, some companies, whilst even though they've had loans, they've obviously still um, unfortunately had to cease trading. And... In those circumstances, there's no argument as the company sees trading and the employees will regrettably be made redundant. Well, it's an ongoing situation, but it's not simply straightforward at this moment under the guidance um, because there are some outstanding questions that need to be answered for employees. But for But they also need to know if they are going to make employees redundant. They have to follow some correct process. It's not simply to say, well they're unfair, we can just make them redundant.
1: Um, if it's an unfair, um, or if, if an employee believes it's an unfair uh, selection process, um, what what options do they have available to them?
2: Um, well, when when they come to us at that point, they will um, advise us of the process, what's happened, the reasons that they were given for this. now. That might be that the company's followed a lot of the procedures and, and and it's it's fairly clear that actually it wasn't an unfair process from what the documentary evidence yes however if somebody comes to you and says you know that the the process was this and it was clearly unfair in, in in the terms of what one would expect what they can do is is obviously bring their own employment claim to the employment tribunal they'd have to go to acas um, and obviously um, advise them uh, that the intention is to bring a claim which stops the process. But you've got three months in which to bring an unemployment claim for unfair dismissal. Um, so if they were arguing that the employ- that the redundancy was, was a sham redundancy and therefore the selection process was targeted at them, that they were victimised for some other reason, that it wasn't anything to do with the workplace or it wasn't anything to do with... Um, the, the reason why they were actually made redundant and therefore it wasn't a genuine redundancy but really an unfair dismissal, then you, you would obviously advise them of the process and advise them of the, the costs of running a case like that to, to um, a final hearing. I mean obviously you would go through ACAST to see if they could mediate with the company at that point. The company may just say no, we followed the correct process and we're going to defend any claim brought. But again, like everything in litigated matters, it will require an assessment of the facts and the evidence before them, and it'll be up to the company to decide whether they're going to um, defend the claim. If it's issued, the grounds of resistance they're going to rely on and, um, and and defend the claim up to a point. It may well be capable of resolution, but often it's not. And um, the difficulty for the employee at that time is there is a process to follow, um, and there's you, you know it's going to be um, still a di- difficult time for them in terms of costs. There are no cost consequences in relation to the company in terms of employment, unless there's any wasted cost arguments or conduct. Um, but ultimately, um, the employee it will, will then take the claim, but often the employ the employer will resist the claim at that point.
1: My last question, uh, and I don't know whether you know the answer to this one, um, but um, this probably applies more to smaller companies who are making people redundant uh, because they've hit hard times. What You've mentioned some of the benefits that you are entitled to if you're made redundant. So, for example, employment notices, which would require them to pay you up to a certain point. Um, what happens if that business doesn't have the money? It's hit such hard financial times, it can't afford to pay those redundancy sums. But what happens then? Is there, is there a government scheme that they can claim through to get that money, or do they essentially lose out? No,
2: I mean, there's, the people are made redundant. They're entitled to a statutory, um, pay, statutory payment so um, the maximum amount of redundancy payment is um, from April this year, sixteen thousand pounds. The there is a redundancy payment a maximum of five hundred and thirty eight pounds a week. If it, it depends on your age as to what money you are entitled to. So if you're aged under twenty two, it's half a week's pay. Um, if you're aged between twenty two and forty one, it's one week's pay free to you, that you've been there and if you're entitled to 40, um, over 41 plus you're entitled to one and a half weeks pay and um, they are protected in terms of um, you can receive them as, as a payment from the government if, if, if the company aren't paying, able to pay them.
1: So there is a scheme that can kick in if you're in Employers actually end up having to shut the doors because there is no money in the pot that they, they quite literally yeah, there, can't
2: there, pay. There's, there is a government scheme to to, to 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 protect people who are in that situation, um, and you will just because the company cease to to trade doesn't mean that you will unlock every time, so you will. Um, and again, it, it depends on how long you've been with them, what your age is, and um, how long how long. You know, you've been in in that situation. So, if you if it's it's capped, as I said, if you've been there, captain, you've been there more than twelve years. You'll still only get twelve week twelve weeks um, notice period, if you, which is may not seem fair. But it has to be like in every scheme, there was a cap on it.
1: And would they come to Johnson and Boone to get that sort of help and guidance, or is there somewhere else they go if if they needed to uh, use I, that I scheme? mean, if it's just
2: applying for the redundancy payments, I think it's really there's lots of advice online how to do that. Um, I don't think I'd pay a solicitor to pursue to, <laughs> to my redundancy well, statutory rights. But I mean, they'd really come to us in the case of if they believe that actually I shouldn't be in this situation and have been made redundant, you know, under what they what they deem as false pretenses at the time. And it may well be that that's correct. So we'd, we'd be happy to help people in, in those circumstances. But ultimately, just if, if it's simply the company's gone down, and um, there's lots of help out there to So sort of how they make the claim for redundancy.
1: We'll stick a link in the show notes for people who might want to find that scheme. Uh, just to help you out. So have you covered everything there, Chris, on redundancy? As we say every week, it's always just a cursory touch on these topics. You couldn't go into any great detail on these things. We just don't have the time. And quite frankly, it's everybody's circumstances are quite often that different. Um, if you do need some help and assistance, then one assumes you just encourage them to get in touch with you guys.
0: Yeah,
2: I think as I say, as we said at the start, there are, there's always, in, in, in every case, um, there's always different circumstances, um, very rarely two cases the same, but, but we're happy to uh, advise them and, and, and let people obviously contact us and then we can give them a view, um, and, and then they at least they understand the process and they can decide themselves what they want
1: to do, Happen received and receive that advice. Uh, so, uh, if you do want to get in touch with Johnson & Boone, uh, there are all the contact information is in the show notes, there's an email address, telephone number, you can also book an appointment with any of the team using the free to download mobile app which we mentioned at the outset. Chris, uh, what topic are we going to be covering next time? Um,
2: next, next week we're going to do a very topical um, issue at the moment. Um, there is a high court case coming up in, in, in August in relation to uh, the in, insurances insurance companies who are at this moment in time um, rejecting a number of companies' claims for business interruption. Um, and there's a, a high court case which is coming up to clarify an interpretation of various different word, wordings within these policies. And a lot of businesses believe that they had business interruption cover only to be found out that on notification um, after the pandemic started that they weren't covered or the insurance companies say they weren't covered. And what we're going to be doing next week is identifying what those issues are and um, how they can um, challenge the insurers on those matters and what the process is for doing so in the timescales.
1: Wow, that's going to be a very, uh, very interesting topic to cover. If you own a business, it's well worth tuning in for that one. Uh, it's... Yeah, and
2: can I just say it's for every business who has business interruption. So it can be from a sole trader right the way up to a, a, a big company with a number of different outlets across the UK. Um, so it, it is, it is a, a program that will be well worth listening to, and it will cover a lot of the issues that. Um,
1: will be prevalent to lots of businesses at this time. Brilliant. Well, hopefully we've uh, answered some questions for you guys on the topic of redundancy. If we've missed anything out, if we've raised any new questions, then send us an email to info at johnsonandboon.co.uk. Chris will be only too happy to answer whatever it is. And as we mentioned at the outset, if you have any topics that you would particularly like us to touch upon, uh, then let us know using those same details. Chris, thank you very much for joining us today. It's uh, It's been another interesting episode.
2: Great. Right. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Um, hopefully we'll see you again next week to
1: do the next the next instalment. I look forward to it. We'll catch you then, mate. See you now. Cheers, thank you. Thanks.
0: Get social at Johnson & Boone on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter.